Hey everybody, welcome to Wednesday night at Spirit of Grace Church. So glad that you're able to join us and we pray that you would find something that was said tonight to be inspiring and to help you in your walk with the Lord. I'm excited about what God is doing in these last days. I believe more than ever he is, the kingdom of God is alive and well and on the move and I want to be a part of it. And uh, because of that, I believe that we are in a battle. And I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. Um, and uh, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, which is oftentimes referenced, excuse me, um, when you're talking about battle, because we talked about the, the armor of God. We, I believe, are in a battle that we cannot escape from. Um, this is something, it's a daily fight, it's a daily walk, it's a daily journey, and the enemy as long as we're trying our best to do what God wants us to do, I believe the enemy is coming against us. And so I'm just going to read very quickly, starting at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And uh, I just want to address some of these pieces of armor, if you will, tonight, because I do believe that as long as we have breath in our lungs, that God is wanting to use us for his kingdom. And if God is wanting to use us for his kingdom, we might as well get ready to be successful in it because whatever God puts his hand to turns out to be a smashing success. And I, I want to start before we even get to the armor and just address verse 12 just for a second. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I've said this often and I'll continue to say it often in our church. That is, if you're fighting another person, you're fighting the wrong fight. If you're fighting against your spouse, if you're fighting against your children, your boss, your neighbors, whatever it is, your friends, if you're fighting that fight, you're in the wrong arena. The arena that we should be fighting in is not in the natural. It's not in the on a human level. The battle that we should be active in and fighting in is a spiritual battle that takes spiritual tools and weapons and instruments to overcome. And uh, in verse 13, we are told to stand, having done all to stand. And uh, because I believe that if the enemy can destroy us, then he destroys those that are around us. He destroys uh, and he gets becomes victorious when we allow him to. So the question, I guess, tonight is how do we fight? If, we, if we're not fighting against humans, you know, a human understanding of a fight... Um, there's not much complication. It can be physical. It can be verbal. It can be mental manipulation, whatever it is. But you're dealing with a person, something that's tangible, something that you can see. 
something that you can handle. But when you're fighting the attack of the enemy, a lot of times that enemy is uncertain. A lot of times it is unknown, it's unseen. And so God, I believe, gives us these seven pieces of armor, if you will, uh, that Paul lists off in Ephesians for us to take up battle against our enemy. You can call him whatever you want, Satan, the devil, Lucifer. Um, you know, years for years I thought that these weapons were like mysterious weapons to ward off all the demons and, and the magic and the Harry Potter spells, if you will, and all those things. But really, when you think about what Paul is listing, he's really, as he's talking about spiritual armor, he's simply giving us the ways or the tools to apply the presence of God, the kingdom of God, what we would classify as the gospel to our lives, the good news of the kingdom. Putting on the armor of God is another way of saying that we clothe ourselves in the gospel or the good news of Christ's kingdom. And if we're wearing the armament of the kingdom of God, that armament is very, very strong, very, very effective, and will continue to give us victory after victory. And so we, we look at this um, passage of Scripture, and we understand that in the natural, if we were going out into fight in a, in a battle, there would be armor that we would put on almost from head to toe, and so it is in this daily walk with God. And I've, I've taught on this, you know, probably a hundred times in my ministry, but I, I'm really coming to it even from a different angle than I normally have in the past. So I pray that these seven ways or these seven pieces of armor in overcoming our adversary will be a blessing to you tonight. So the first one is found in, uh, again, in verses 13 and 14, after we recognize that we're not fighting, or which battle we're fighting, and we're not fighting flesh and blood, but we're fighting principalities and power. Verse 13 and 14 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, or stand firm, having your loins gored about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So Paul first tells us, take up the belt of truth, if you will. Now, we tend to think of truth as a tenet of beliefs or a list of uh, thou shalts and thou shalt nots. And, and, and we think of it as a thing, if you will, or an, an entity. When Scripture, in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. In Scripture, the truth is a person. The truth is Jesus Christ. Paul is saying to us, gird ourselves up with Jesus and stand firm in our identity with Christ. Now, I have often said, and I, I believe it to this day, that one of the biggest problems that we as Christians have is oftentimes a lack of confidence in who we are in him. And uh, now I've heard it said this, and, and I, I can see where it applies, but your identity is based on what the most important person in your life thinks about you. I'll say that again. Your identity often is based on what the most important person in your life thinks about you. So my question to you is, where are you getting your identity from? And if you're getting your identity from the most important person in your life, 
that will dictate who you are. And I pray that Jesus is the most important person in your life. And if so, what he thinks of you is the core of your identity. Not what John Doe thinks down the street. Not what the boss thinks at work or the, or the employee thinks. It's not... If, if, if those are your most important, if that's where you're gaining your identity, if you're gaining your identity from your career, that means you're looking at something that's not shouldn't be the most important. Jesus should be the most important person in your life. And what he thinks about you will identify you. It will give you your identity. Um, and, and so we have to understand, Jesus thinks you're pretty special. Jesus thinks that we are... A, a holy priesthood, a royal nation, a, a peculiar people. He believes that we are the best of the best. When he created Adam and Eve, it was a good thing, and he created them for each other. And, and and you and I are created in his image, and he thinks highly of who we are. And so my identity is found. I stand in the identity that God loves me, uh, that God cares for me, that God thinks highly of me that God has chosen me for this hour in this day. And if he, if he has, in fact, chosen me for this hour in this day, whatever comes my way, I have the ability in me, not because of who I am, but because of who he has made me to be, to be effective in this day. And so whoever is the most important in your life, what they think of you will establish your identity. But also what controls your heart will control your identity. So who is taking up most of your heart? Who's number one in your priority list of love? Is it Jesus? Is it the Lord? Is it uh, my spouse can't even be the number one? My kids can't be number one. My church can't be number one. God has to be number one in my heart. And if he's number one in my heart, then he controls my identity. Then he establishes who I am. And when we understand who we are in Christ, our enemy has no power against us. It's when we allow him to dictate to us what we think we should think about ourselves, that he, we get ourselves into trouble. So that's the first one. Have, be, have the truth around you. The truth is that Jesus loves you, that Jesus cares for you, that Jesus has chosen you. The truth is that Jesus is embracing you and dwelling in you. And if the truth is in you and you are who God says you are, Satan has no power over you. Praise God. And the second uh, piece of scripture here, or Armin, is also found in verse 14. It's the breastplate of righteousness. Now, similar to the belt of truth, it, this really does have a part of your identity. It means embracing that identity in Christ. Putting on the righteousness of Christ means believing that when God looks at you, he sees his perfection in your reflection. Okay, He sees your perfection because he's seeing himself in you. And uh, when he looks at us, he sees the blood of Calvary. And, and so when you put the, the breastplate of righteousness on or the righteousness of Christ the rightness of Christ, uh, the purity of Christ, the purity of the blood of the Lamb, he sees you through that lens and you can embrace that identity. But it also, I believe, refers to obedience. Because we are covered in Christ's righteousness, it should conform our lives to Christ's righteousness. 
We can't say that we are clothed in his righteousness and do whatever we want, whenever we want, and however we want. If we're covered in Christ's righteousness, we're going to conform our life to what he wants it to be. That sometimes is uncomfortable for us in the natural, but if you're comfortable in the natural, it means that you're probably uncomfortable in the spirit. And if you're uncomfortable in the or and if you're comfortable in the spirit, it means that you're uncomfortable in the natural, and then you're doing some good things because his spirit is overruling your spirit. You see, the enemy's number one attack is always to look for the weak point. Whatever part of us that isn't totally surrendered to God, totally conformed to his truth, it may be a sinful habit, it may be a bad relationship with somebody that you just won't let go of. It may be just be an area of your life that you haven't released unto God yet and put under his control. Wherever you close yourself off to being obedient, see, if you're not surrendered to God in everything, when he speaks to you in that area and you're not surrendered, it will cause friction with you, and that friction is what causes you to struggle. And when, you, when the enemy sees that friction, that's where he's going to attack. That's where he's going to question. That's where he's going to release uh, his devious voice. Think about all the times in Scripture where the enemy was able to do damage. It was always because he wiggled his way in to the weakest point of who that individual was. And he's still doing the same thing. Because when you don't surrender a certain part of your life, you leave an open door for him to enter. But once you put off the sin or the habit or the relationship or whatever area of your life that you haven't surrendered again, once you let go of that and surrender it to him, then that righteousness of Christ envelops that area and the enemy can't do anything against the righteousness of Christ. Our righteousness, he can mess with us all he wants because the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags, but he can do anything he wants or he can't do anything against the things that God has because God is all in all. So we have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Now we want to look at verse 15, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I believe that this is an offensive weapon that God gives us in our arsenal. Uh, a lot of times you hear it preached that just the the sword is the only uh, offensive weapon, but it's really not true. Our feet are offensive to the uh, to the enemy. Our feet become weapons because they carry you into battle. And Paul says that we can overcome Satan on the offensive with the gospel if it's a part of who we are. If we're ready to release the gospel of peace, if we're ready to share it, if we're ready to speak it, as long as the enemy keeps us from sharing the good news of Christ, our neighbors will continue to be under his power, according to Ephesians 2. But once they hear the good news, then they have the opportunity to become the children of God under his grace. And so what better way, really, to fight against the darkness of the enemy than to preach the gospel of light? I also remember a passage in Scripture, and it, it slips my mind to that exact location. I know it's in Joshua, but... Uh, God gives the promise to the children of Israel that wherever they set their foot, that area, that territory will be theirs. And, and I want you to think of that. If, they, if that's a promise of the Lord, 
and he tells us to have our feet shed, uh, prepared with the gospel of peace, everywhere our feet goes, it becomes territory for the kingdom because the heart of the kingdom is there. If we are enveloped in Christ, wherever we go, that's that Christ is there. And, and so that is something that is amazing. And uh, everybody can do that. You don't have to be a great evangelist. But if you're walking and you have on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and you're sharing the gospel through your actions and through your words, what more? You don't need to have a degree. You don't need to be a cold preacher. You just need to be a believer that have these articles of armor attached to your life. I want to challenge you tonight to take the opportunity to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and to take that gospel and share it with somebody this week and see what God does through you. <clears throat> um, so preaching the gospel to others, but we also have to preach the gospel to ourselves. It's not just our neighbors who need to hear the good, good news. We need to hear the good news, and oftentimes we need to hear it every day. So if you're just living from one message at the church to the next, you're missing out on the opportunity to preach to yourself with the fit, with the fourth piece of armor which is the shield of faith by which we extinguish the fiery darts of of the wicked one you see satan's main weapons are the lies that he shoots into our hearts like fiery darts and we're not supposed to use logic to duck away from satan's lies we're in, in the face of all of his accusations and lies and things of uh, his deception god calls us simply to hold up the shield of faith, hiding behind what God has told you is true in the gospel. Listen, just because you're not feeling it today doesn't mean it's still true. If you've embraced him and he has embraced you, he does not let go of that embrace. You may not feel it right now, but take up that faith and and, and raise it up. Because if if the dart says you're no good, after what you did, God still does. How could God still love you? You can never make a difference in the world. That's when you hold up your faith and say, no, no, no. Christ saved me. I am his child. I am his precious cargo. I have not received the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption of sons. If God is for me, who can be against me? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You see, when we begin to preach to ourselves with our faith, when our faith begins to rise in us, it gives it in an illogical sense, because it's not logical, because everything Satan says to us sometimes can be true. I am a mess at times. I am not worthy at times. I don't understand how God loves me at times. I don't understand how God can use me and my abilities at times. But here's the thing doesn't matter what's logical it matters what jesus said and jesus isn't a very logical person jesus goes beyond logic to establish his own logic and it doesn't make sense to us but it makes complete sense to him and whose sense would you rather respond to your sense or his sense and his sense says i have called you i have equipped you I have given you an anointing. I have done things for you so that you could be used. I'm molding and shaping and forming you into what I want you to be. Now, who would you rather listen to? Him say that to you or the devil say, well, you're just really not that good. I'm going to listen to Jesus. I'm going to listen to him. And when I listen to him, 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. He has already spoken things about me in his word that establish who I am. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. It's been stated. It's been established. It is there. I can lean on it even when all of my circumstances say something different and I don't feel like being a part of it. God is still doing it. That's not logical, but it is faith. And because I have faith, and when the, when the devil's trying to separate me from the love of Christ, I may feel like he's a million miles away, but his word, by faith, I lean on his word that nothing, nothing, nothing shall separate me. That's how I win this battle. That's how I overcome the kingdom of darkness. That's how I release the kingdom of light. That's how I go on the offensive with God. I preach, I talk, I speak because I have already done so to myself to build my faith. Number five, remember your salvation and God's faithfulness. We see this in the helmet of salvation in verse 17. The helmet is used to guard the head or the center of our thinking. Paul is telling us to let the truth about our salvation and God's faithfulness in our lives permeate our minds. Think about it. Uh, Philippians 4 says, think on these things, but think about Christ. Think about what he's done for us. Think about Calvary every day. In fact, there's a, there's a principle that I read from, from somebody, and they tell themselves this every morning, and I think it's a good idea, but he, he, this person tells himself every morning, in Christ, there is nothing I can do to make him love me more. And there's nothing I have done that makes him love me less. Let me say that again. In Christ, there is nothing I can do to make him love me more, but there's also nothing I have done that makes him love me less. Listen, the very character of God is love, for God is love. That's what the scripture says. And he loves us. He loves us on a corporate level. He loves us on an individual level. He loves us as the body of Christ. He loves us as his individual creation. More than anything else, it doesn't matter what you've done. He still loves you. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. But he still loves. He still loves. He still loves. That's how I know he's faithful. That's how I know my salvation is secure. Because I find his love. The sixth piece of armor is the sword, which is the word of God. We need to be saturated in his word. Our ability, in fact, Jesus gives the example in Luke chapter 4, uh, that when he's tempted of the devil, I want you to sometime go back and read that. In, in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says that he, he goes out into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. And in verse, I think it's 14 of Luke 4, it says he returns in the power of the Holy Ghost. So he goes out into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost, but he returns in the power of the Holy Ghost. And so it's very imperative in my mind to decide and to see what's the difference. Because I believe you can be full of the Holy Ghost and the adversary is going to mess with you. But there's a point that happens with the adversary that you begin to walk in the power of his spirit. And I'll tell you what the secret of that is. The secret of that is saying no to him through the scripture. 
Jesus on three different occasions used the scripture. Thus it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, etc. And he used his, the word of God as a tool, as an enemy that changed him from just being full of the spirit to walking in the power of the spirit. We go from having the wonderful presence of God and the spirit of God and being filled with it to walking in the power of it when we say no and when we say no by reading scripture and using scripture the problem is is most of us have not taken the time to saturate ourselves in scripture so we don't know how to fight with scripture we don't know how to quote scripture we don't know the different passages of scripture that apply to different situations uh the, the adversary can come in and say well he doesn't care for you and uh if you know the scripture, he said the, the Bible promises us to cast all our cares on him, not just one or two, but every single one of them because he cares for us. Now, I may not feel that in the moment, but the Bible says it. And if I can fight back with what the scripture says, Satan, you may tell me that he doesn't care, but his word says that he does. All of a sudden, you have removed that deceitful lie out of the hand of the enemy and you have destroyed him with the word of the Lord. You have pierced him with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's too many people are trying to fight spiritual battles without a sword. You've got to have the word of God and we must read it. We must learn it. We must study it. We must meditate it on it. On it. We must memorize it. We should be so saturated that when life cuts us, it bleeds the word of God. And uh, I promise you, you'll never go wrong if you've got the word of God hidden deep in your heart. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The last piece of armor is prayer. And Paul wants to make sure through our battle that we are praying at all times in the spirit. People don't often include prayer in the list of weapons but it really is. In fact, it's really our main weapon. Prayer is not something that we do in preparation of battle. It is the battle. I want you to, a man by the name of Samuel Chadwick wrote this several years ago, and he says this, the one concern of the devil is to keep saints from prayer. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom but trembles when we pray. And here's the reason why. Some people haven't put the two and two together. God has promised us that he would be a gentleman in all things. That we would have the one thing that's different from the rest of his creation, and that is a choice, a free will, if you will. We have the opportunity to make the choice to love him, the choice to serve him, the choice to fight with him, the choice to do battle in, on his side of the line, if you will. And when we pray, what we are really doing is we are releasing the kingdom of heaven to act on our behalf. You see, some people will say, well, I don't need to pray. I just need to live it. I just need to do it. Well, no, prayer is the primary communication of releasing the kingdom and the host of heaven to do battle on our behalf. When we boldly ask much of God for his kingdom, we're putting 
really the gospel to action. We're putting our faith to action. We're putting our truth to action, our right, our breastplate of righteousness. Everything begins to move. I, I sometimes say, uh, say it this way, that, you know, you get the picture of the armor of God way back in the medieval days, and it was all clunky, and people wouldn't, and uh, prayer is the oil that keeps all the joints moving. Prayer is the thing that ties the word of God to the breastplate of righteousness, which connects it to the helmet of salvation, which connects it to the belt of truth, which connects it to the feet that are shouted the prayer. Everything is connected by prayer because prayer is the release point of God in our lives. We can have the word of God, we can have all of it, but if we haven't communicated with the the speaker of the word, when we if we haven't had time to communicate and saturate ourselves in communication with him, we can know as much scripture as we want. It'll be effective to a certain amount, but when we pray and are connected to him, he floods us with the oil of the Holy Ghost, if you will, because we are releasing him to act on our behalf when we begin to pray. So I encourage you this week, pray with boldness. Pray with boldness, with all prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. Let God begin to move and have its way. We'll be careful to understand that when God begins to do it, all of the armor that we're wearing and we overcome and, and the power of the Holy Ghost manifests itself, that when we pray, we're giving him the release to do what needs to be done. I pray that this week, the rest of this week, would lead you into a path of warfare, uh, recognizing how to overcome the enemy. Please read this passage of scripture and, and take it to heart and put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the and you have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace with the sword of the spirit in your hand and the heartbeat of your prayers constantly going before him and just see how much damage to the enemy's kingdom you can do this week praise god I want to remind you before we pray and dismiss that sunday is baptism sunday and so we're going to have the waters of baptism moving. Anybody that would like to be baptized will be ready to do so at the close of the service. And it's going to be a great day in Jesus' name. Be blessed the rest of this weekend. And should the Lord tarry, we hope that you would come and join us at Spirit of Grace Church and Woodcrest Drive in Coon Rapids. If you're local and you don't have a home church and you're watching this, we want to invite you to come with the body of Christ and worship together. God bless you. Let's just close in prayer at this time. Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. Love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.